Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. This week's guest is Neely Spence Gracie. Neely is a professional runner for Adidas living in Colorado. In this episode, we talked a lot about balance, mental training, and coming back from a hard race, as well as her entry into the running world, especially with earning Top American in her debut marathon at Boston in 2016. We dove into motherhood, pregnancy, and tips for other moms or soon-to-be moms. We talked about sponsorship and the impact that having a baby had or didn't have on her contract status with Adidas. We also talked about social media as a pro athlete and her run coaching business, Get Running. As seemed to be the case with most of the episodes I recorded on my trip to Colorado, we talked at length about Boulder Boulder and what it means to Neely and her family. Enjoy. Hello again. I am here in Lafayette, Colorado with Neely Spence Gracie. Um, Neely, thanks for having, uh, thanks for taking the time today to chat. Yeah, thank you for coming out and hanging out with me today. Of course, it's a beautiful day here in Colorado, um, and uh, and I'm excited to chat here. Um, so do you want to give a little background on, on who you are? Of course. My name's Neely. I'm a professional marathon runner for Adidas, and I live in Boulder, Colorado area. Um, we've been here four years. And I'm recently a new mom, so that's sort of been the angle of my last few podcasts. So I'm excited to talk about some other aspects of running and, um, you know, just the, the mental approach of how it used to be and how it is now. Cool. So what brought you, uh, what brought you out to Boulder? Running, obviously. Um, why, why Boulder? <laughs> so the backstory is that my dad was a professional marathon runner, and he did all of his altitude training here. So I spent summers growing up uh, training in Colorado um, for my dad. Mm -hmm. And so to me, this was just normal. Every five-year-old kid goes to altitude training for the summer. Um, so I was here from the time I was born until the time I was seven and off and on. Um, and you were born on the day your dad ran Boston. Is that correct? Is that correct? Yes. So I was born while my dad was running the Boston Marathon. Um, he then went on to win a bronze medal at the World Championships in 1991 in Tokyo. And then he ran in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Uh, so he had a very successful career. Uh, retired in 1997 and became a uh, coach at Shippensburg University. And then um, 
I ended up going to Shippensburg for uh, college. And while I was there, I started coming out to Boulder and doing some summer training on my own. Um, and my husband now, boyfriend at the time, we both agreed Colorado is where we want to be. And so when we had the opportunity to move here permanently, we jumped on it and it's the best decision we ever made. Awesome. What's it like, um, training at altitude and, and forgive me if there are any, uh, if there are any giggles or, or barks here. Um, Neely's dog Strider is, is currently, uh, uh, nestled in my lap and it's, it's excellent. (laughs) Um, that's very classic Strider. She is very much um, an attention getter and a snuggler. <laughs> so, um, yes. So, what was your question? The question was, what was it like coming to Boulder and, oh, and racing at, at and training at altitude? Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely a change for sure. Um, but it's nicer in my opinion because while it gets hot we don't have the humidity side of things so i do think that uh you know training in the heat and the humidity is uh a, a stress on the body and is makes it hard for the body to recover and so it's the same thing um with altitude you know it's an it's an additional stress and it makes it a little bit harder for the body to recover so I personally um, prefer the weather that we have here in Colorado, um, and the other part is I really enjoy the winters. Um, this winter was definitely the most challenging that we've had since living here, but it was still usually sunny, um, you know, while the trails got pretty covered in snow and ice for extended periods of time, um, the roads clear off really quickly because they plow and the sun comes out and they dry up. So, um, I feel like the training is just, just better year round, but yeah, the adjustment to altitude is a little bit challenging. Um, I actually did my first year uh, at Altitude where I did a nine-day schedule. So I had two easy days between every hard day. And I think that allowed me to recover from the hard sessions uh, more efficiently. Cool. Um, Instead of having one day in between? Correct. Nice. Um, What are... Are you doing most of your runs on uh, on the road? Or are you doing any trail running as well in terms of recovery days? Yeah, so like I that? consider um, it co- a trail that I run on. Um, it's directly behind our house. You can see it right there. Um, it's called the Coal Creek Trail, and it's a crushed gravel uh, relatively flat, smooth surface. Um So I do a lot of my runs on that type of surface, that footing. Um, I'm not a trail runner. I don't like rocks and roots and, you know, crazy climbs up and down Jumping up and down boulders and things. No, not my thing at all. Um, But I do really like getting off the roads and having the soft surface options. So I really like living out here. Um, We are about like eight to 10 miles east of Boulder. Um, and so we're a little bit more in the plains. So we have a little bit more like flat options for running, um, versus living right in Boulder. Um, most of the options are a little bit more straight uphill. Um, so you had your debut marathon was 2016, correct? Yes. And that was at Boston. Um, what did you imagine that running Boston would be like and, and how did that match up with what it, what it was like? 
it was incredible. I mean, I imagine that it'd be cool and a really neat experience. Um, but yeah, getting to, to be there, line up on that historical starting line, run through amazing crowds and finish, um, you know, right there, uh, in the, in the city with all of that support. Um, it was just something really spectacular. And so it really helped solidify, uh, my decision to move to the marathon because I loved the environment that it created. And that was, um, that was one of those hot years. So you had a, you had a nice, nice crowd, right? Yeah. But I didn't know any different, you know, like, that's the thing about it was I showed up on the starting line ready to run and whatever. And I wasn't necessarily so set on trying to run a PR because whatever I did was going to be a PR. Um, and so I'd heard that Boston was tough. I had heard that it's usually, you know, not ideal conditions. And so for me, it was so much more about just showing up and competing. And I ended up finishing ninth in top American. So I feel very proud of that effort that I put forth on that day. Um, but yeah, it, it, I didn't have a single split in mind that I wanted to hit. It was just go run and see what happens. Um, and so that being said, I feel like I have, uh, so much more to accomplish at the distance because I ran Boston in 2016 and then I ran New York in 2016. And those are my only two marathons that I've done. And I truly believe that, um, there's a learning curve with the marathon. There's so much time for things to go right. And so many, so much time for things to go wrong over the course of 26.2 miles. And so, I'm definitely trying to piece together, um, little bits of it that I am learning as I go. And every race provides a new experience and a new opportunity for growth. Definitely. Um, what is it that you like about that distance over the 10 K, the five K or, or shorter distances? Yeah. Well, the 5k feels like an all out sprint to me now. Um, I used to be much more of a short distance runner. So Um, in high school I was like a miler and I feel like I sort of maximized what I was able to do there. I ran 444 in high school and I ran 441 in college and I've run 436 as a pro. And so I feel like I don't have a ton more yeah. to give at that it's distance. It's hard to shave another second when <laughs> exactly. you're going Exactly. Like going you work fast. so hard yeah. to shave just like one second off. Um, and so while speed is really important and it's something that I still incorporate into my training, um, it's more of like a 5K type speed versus a mile speed. So <clears throat> I do feel like there's a little bit of unfinished business in the 5K for me. Um, but I just got frustrated and fed up with it because I ran 1527 in college and I've run 1525 as a pro. And I worked years and years to get two seconds faster. Right. And so ultimately I would love to run 15 sub 15, 20 in the 5k. Um, and that's something that I would love to chase, uh, in the future, but I just needed a break. I needed to change it up. I was just feeling a little stagnant and frustrated. So I ended up, um, I did a couple 10 Ks and, I still was like trying to figure out if I was a track runner or if I wanted to transition to the roads. And I ended up doing the Boulder Boulder in 2015. 
and it like completely rekindled like yeah. my love of racing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do roads. Like, I, and I really haven't run on the track since. Um, so that was sort of my transition. Um, and then I ended up, uh, doing a half marathon and running really fast. And I ran, um, 69 minutes, which was the 11th, um, fastest time ever by an American female at that point. And so, uh, after I did that, I was like, well, they don't have a half marathon at the Olympics. Right. So I think the next best option keep on is going to up. keep going yeah. up. Yeah. So that's when I started dabbling in the marathon and really thinking about that. Um, so yeah, that's sort of my story of how I've landed there. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot more to figure out. Um, the half is definitely my most comfortable distance yeah. at this point because I've raced so many of them. Cool. Um, I want to get into the marathon a little bit more, but let's talk about that Boulder Boulder 10K. Um, you've run it in a few different um, physical places, mm -hmm. um, for lack of a better description. You've raced it. You've fun run it. You've you know done everything in between. Um, what's it like coming to a race knowing that you've been super fit in the past and that's not where you're at today. I think, I think we can sort of extrapolate that into other areas of whether you're coming back from injury or you're coming back from pregnancy or you're coming back from, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I think that's a helpful lesson. Um, so how, how do you, how do you, you know, toe the line when, when you're not at your, you know, hundred percent? Yeah, it's really interesting. So the Boulder Boulder um, is our local 10K, and it's every local Memorial Day. 50,000 people. Yes, <laughs> and so it's the second largest 10K in the world. Um, over 50,000 people run it each year, and it's also the largest Memorial Day celebration. So it's a really special event. Um, and like I said, I think also because of it being that race that really, like, had a significant turning point mm -hmm. in my pro career for me. Um, it's meant a little extra something. Yeah. Um, so I ran it 2015, um, was my first year running the Boulder Boulder and I ran in the pro race and I think I was seventh that year, second American. Um, and at that point I had been like on the track, really struggling. I was unsponsored. Um, and it was like, you know, I was pumped to make a few hundred dollars here or there. And the track, um, you don't really get paid unless you have a sponsor because your sponsor pays bonuses for the track, um, for performance standards. So, you know, 1525, um, was what I ended up running that year on the track in the 5k. Had I had a sponsor at that point, I would have gotten some sort of bonus for running that time. And the bonus comes from the sponsor or from the race? It comes from the sponsor. The race doesn't provide anything. Like you pay an entry fee, um, you pay for travel, you pay for housing. You know, it's just like showing up and, showing yeah. up and running. Um, but you chase these times and you chase these standards. And so the standards are what gets you into the world championships and the Olympic trials and all of that. Um, and so there's definitely a benefit to track racing if you're in that condition or, and if you have a sponsor to help pay for some mm -hmm. of the costs. Um, but when you don't have a sponsor, it's really difficult. And unless you are, you know, about to make a team, um, and, 
it, it can be a challenge. And so anyways, uh, it was, the roads are where there's a lot more money and a lot more support. So I was doing some road racing, um, to help pay for my track racing. And, um, it just happened that the elite coordinator is a good friend of my dad's and they ran together back in the day. And so he was like, Hey, Neely, if you want to run, I have a spot for you. And I was like, yes, I do want to run. And, um, I made so much money. And so that was like a huge turning point for me too, where it was like, wow, I've been shelling out so much money to go to all these track track, races. And then I can in one race go and make a lot more. Um, and that was like also an exciting feeling because because it helped me feel like a little bit legitimized. Validated, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, um, and you know, it helped take away some of the stress of not having a sponsor at that point. Um, I then got picked up by Adidas. And so, uh, I think having that spring where I, you know, took myself all around, um, and, you know, paid for myself to go to races helped set up the contract that I then had with Adidas. So it was totally worth it, but it was just an investment up front. Um, so yeah, the Boulder Boulder is really cool. I ran that. Um, and then that was 2015. Then that's when everything happened. And 2016, I ran Boston. So I ended up taking three weeks off after Boston. And then I ran the Boulder Boulder after like a week of training. Um, and so I just ran for fun. I ran in the citizens race, just jumped in, um, did the a wave, uh, ended up running with, uh, an 11 year old kid (laughs) who was trying to break 40 minutes and the Boulder Boulder is historic for having the sub 40 club. And so you're, you try to break 40 minutes. And if you break 40 minutes, you get a t-shirt at the end. It's a sweet shirt. (laughs) It is. I want, got one this year. Um, it's better than a medal. (laughs) Yes. I think I finished like 15 seconds behind you. I I saw you on Pearl street and I was like, Oh, that's Neely. Let me see if I can catch her. And I, I couldn't, but, um, what did you run this year? Um, I ran like 3750. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you must have dropped me. Um, so I ended up running six minute pace, nice. uh, this year. Um, but yeah, that's really funny that out of all of the people in the, yeah. star, on the, yeah. in the race, we, uh, ended up running into each yeah. other on the course. Um, but yeah, so 2016, I was like, I'm just going to go have fun with it. And this kid was trying to break 40. So I was like, oh, I'll help him out. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll run with him. And so I was running with him and we were right on track, yeah. but like he couldn't falter at all. And we got to the stadium, which is like less than 400 meters to go in the race. And he stops and vomits <laughs> all over my foot. <laughs> hey, thanks like, for pacing. Yeah. And I was like. You're so close. It must have been that hill. <laughs> like, There's a brutal hill right at brutal the Brutal hill. Yeah, poor kid. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> and then he like stood up and he kept going and he ended up running like 40, 40 or something. Like just missed it. So I felt really bad for him. But so that was that year's experience. Oh, and then the funny part about that year was that I had to uh, register myself. And, um, I know this sounds really silly, but I have an agent and my agent registers me for all my races. So I've never entered a race, um, just, you know, normally filling out everything online, which I, I know that sounds completely (laughs) ridiculous. Um, and so I had to register myself. And so it asks what time I expected to run. And so I put in there like 38 minutes, 39 minutes, something like that. Except for I didn't realize that it was per mile, <laughs> not overall. 
And so I get there and I'm in like the wave F G or something. Yeah. And it was like, um, and someone pointed out like, uh, you realize that like, that's the walking crowd. <laughs> and I was like, what? I didn't know the numbers on my bid meant something. Yeah. Like, and so I ended up having to get it switched like right before the start and all this. Oh, it was, it was such a mess. I felt so silly. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that was 2016. 2017 I raced that was my best year um I ended up fifth second American and team USA got second by only one point and so that was really close because Ethiopia always wins um and so we ended up like really coming close to beating them which would have been absolutely amazing but we got really close which was cool um and so that was my best year I ran 3407 um and then uh, last year, 2018, I was seven months pregnant. And so I had it run in three months and I walk jogged it. And whenever my heart rate got over 150, I would walk and I stopped and got water and I had to pee and I, it ended up taking me almost an hour 20. Um, and so it was like 13 minute miles or yeah. something. Um, and it was exhausting. It was really hard. It took me like a week to recover. Oh, wow. I was so fatigued from it. Um, cause you had, you hadn't run in three I months. I hadn't run in three months. Yeah. And just being on my feet for that long, my body just was not used to it. Um, and for those of you who, who don't know, I wasn't really able to run much during my pregnancy. Um, and so, uh, my fitness was <laughs> severely, um, different than, yes. Um, and so then this year, uh, I used it as a workout. Um, so I was planning to run the pro race and have it be my first race back. And then I ended up straining my hip flexor in a workout, um, about a month ago. And so I had to take 10 days off. And during that time, I would just didn't have the fitness building Mm -hmm. that I wanted to feel confident to do the pro race. So I ended up just doing the citizens race, doing it as a workout, um, easing into it just to test, uh, sort of where my body was. And so I averaged six minute pace. Um, my husband and I ran together, which was really fun because we haven't gotten to, um, run together in a race setting, um, in six years. So that was uh, a pretty fun, uh, experience for us. And I had done a progression run about a month ago, um, where I averaged 615. And so for this time to average six minutes, I feel like that was a nice step, um, in fitness and my body doesn't feel too beat up afterwards. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're moving forward in the right direction. There we go. Building blocks for the future. Um, what, what are some of the, the, the tips you have for, for other mothers that are coming back from, um, having a, having a baby? Yeah. Everyone's experience is definitely a little bit different in pregnancy and in their comeback. Um, but I think the number one thing that I would recommend is to really be kind with your body because it has been through so much. Um, And that's been a really hard thing for me because it's my career. It's my job. Uh, And so (laughs) that makes it a little bit challenging. Um, But I've just tried to separate from that. And I think the the number one thing is to find the right... um, 
I guess, like level of focus that you want to have in your training and to not force anything to happen. You know, take your time. Um, and as you feel excited about running again, about doing workouts again, about, you know, at, adding in long runs, increasing distance, um, and then eventually, you know, racing, um, you know, just let it happen naturally and organically. So that way you aren't forcing yourself because mentally, um, and physically there's a lot going on that you've never had to deal with before, especially if you're a first time mom like me. For sure. Um, so you've been with Adidas for four years, you said, right? Mm -hmm. How was the experience, um, through the pregnancy? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that because that's the hot topic right now right. Um, in the running world is all about, wow, like Allison Felix got dropped by Nike um, when she got pregnant. And if she's getting dropped, what else what about, is happening yeah. in the world? Right. Um, and so a lot of people have really been coming forward and I knew the stigma of being a pregnant pro runner was usually you lose your job and that's just how it is in our contract. Um, most contracts are set up that if you don't race X amount of times per year, you can get dropped. Um, if you, um, you know, don't meet these certain criteria, if you're not ranked, um, you know, in the world, you can serve, um, you know, get, get a re reduction in pay. And there's a, there's so many different ways that they have set up, out, um, yeah. in contracts that you can, that they can get out of it. And ultimately like they have wording that say at any time we can just terminate the contract if we want to. Um, so I think the biggest thing is I went into it being like, yeah, I'm probably going to lose my job. And you know what? having a family is more important to me right now. Um, and I will take the time that I need to get back and then hopefully someone will pick me up or they'll, you know, reconsider. Um, so I ended up telling my agent, um, right after we had our first appointment. Um, so it was at 10 weeks, I called my agent and I was so nervous. Um, because of course I'm like basically telling them that like right. my career's over for now. And instead of, um, you know, them expressing concern or anything, um, my agent was like, being a dad is the most amazing thing. And I'm so excited for you and your husband. Um, and that, you know, we're, we'll talk with Adidas, we'll take care of things on our end and we'll be in touch. And so I was like, okay, sounds good. Um, they're like, just can continue on as, as usual. Um, and so that's what we did. And so did Adidas. They sent me, you know, a note that said, congratulations. That's we're awesome. really excited for you. Um, and nothing's changing. And so I was paid as usual for 2018, um, all throughout my pregnancy, even though I wasn't competing, I wasn't even running. Um, and I felt extremely supported the whole way. That's so cool. Um, Jesse Thomas is someone, Jesse Thomas and Sally Bird, uh, Sally from Wizell have been really vocal as, um, CEOs of companies that are, that are involved in this space. And I love everything that they've been putting out about like, why would you not stick with an athlete through the pregnancy? Like from a business perspective, like 
this is the most engaged and the most relatable that, that a pro athlete can be ever. Yeah. Um, and, and I just love that sentiment. Um, uh, and it's really cool that like you, you experience that and, um, and you're active on social media. And I think like that probably played a part in it that Definitely. you're not just an athlete, you're a mom, you're a coach, you're, you're a human, yes. um, all that good stuff as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And it opened up this whole new world for me of being a part of this mother runner culture. Um, And so I've made so many new friends. Um, I've had so many people reach out on Instagram and on social media saying like, thank you so much for sharing your story because it was real. Like I can relate to not being able to run (laughs) while pregnant and it feeling terrible. Um, And I can relate to gaining 50 pounds, you know, and it's like, they, they want to see these real stories, not the person that, you know, ran and competed all the way through. Like, that's great if you were able to do it, but right. you're an anomaly. Like, that is not the norm at all. And so... I feel very fortunate that I've been able to connect, um, and hopefully inspire some people. Um, but yeah, I had to work extra hard. You know, it's not easy when you're not running to have an Instagram that primarily the people who follow you follow you because you're a runner. Um, and so that was a challenge and not only was I not running, but I really stepped back and stepped away from, like all forms of structured exercise because I've been doing this for 14 years and I just felt like I needed a little bit of a mental break from having to do all these things all the time, every day. And so I did, I stepped back, I took a break mentally, um, and physically and just tried to enjoy as much as I could, um, (laughs) being pregnant and, um, you know, exploring different things, you know, doing all the things that I, I don't do when I'm in training. Um, I went to two concerts. I literally have never been to a concert before. (laughs) Um, but Taylor Swift was in town, so I couldn't not go. (laughs) Um, and Kenny Chesney. Uh, so it was awesome. Definitely approved. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I'd never been to a concert because it's like, well, you're going to be on your feet and then you're out in the sun and then you have this and then it's a really late night and you're going to get dehydrated and they have crap food and all the stuff. So it was like really fun to get to do some things that I hadn't ever done before. Um, And then the the other thing was, um, you know, with, with posting and... I tried to really continue to just stay as like open and honest and like keep things as organic as they could be, um, without trying to make like things forced and super obvious, like, you know, just posting like pictures of my shoes all the time. He like, you should buy Adidas. You should buy Adidas. (laughs) Um, you know, I wrote tiny little Adidas shoes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I wrote, um, an article for women's running each month with an update throughout my pregnancy. I held group runs and, um, you know, just tried to stay involved in the local running community. I flew myself to Boston and, um, set up um, events at the Boston Expo, uh, so that I could be relevant and mm-hmm. present and engaging with the marathon community, you know? So I definitely ha- went out of my way and I had to work harder, um, than I would have if I was racing to stay a part of the sport. But the thing that's a little bit frustrating is 
you know, I was able to do that and I feel so fortunate, but there are people, um, and (laughs) there's companies out there who, um, will literally support convicted dopers after they serve a doping suspension. Um, but the second they have a female athlete that's pregnant, they drop her. Um, and there have been teams, um, who have gotten caught with EPO and they continue to sponsor them without no, any suspension, any, um, you know, issues at all. They can come to all the races, they can do all the things and there's nothing, but their top athletes get pregnant and that's it. You're done. Um, and so to me, that's really messed up and that needs to be looked into and addressed. It's awesome that we're looking into, you know, protecting, um, pregnancy and female runners. Um, but there's a lot more to this as well. Um, that there's definitely some standards out there that need to be changed across the board. Yeah. I think the, um, I think the state of running at this time is there's a lot going on and I think the wheels are finally turning on some change, but it's not, it's not enough and, and we need to keep pushing and, and it needs to be a collaborative effort and, and, Um, these articles that are coming out in the New York times and things like that. Like it was amazing what, what was done a couple weeks ago and forcing these companies to, to speak about like, yep, we're doing that. And we're we've been doing that and now we're changing it. Yeah. Um, And I think the biggest thing is it's a lot of the wording, you know, um, because it shouldn't be an option it should just be set in there. So you don't have to wonder, you don't have to worry, you don't have to stress about it. And it's not like, Oh, well we like you or, you know, it shouldn't be relatable. Right. Exactly. It should be a little bit more straightforward and less great. Right. Exactly. It needs to be a little bit more black and white where we can see, okay, this is what's expected. We signed this contract that said this and you Um, do drugs. You're, you're out. Right. Exactly. And I think that's very fair and that's how it should be. Like if you cheat, you should not be allowed to (laughs) compete and we are not going to sponsor and support you. Um, and you know, I don't think that, uh, it needs to be as just like left wide open as it is right now. So I think that's where a lot of the talk is going. Um, and you know, I do foresee there being some changes, um, for sure, because it's such a hot topic and I don't think this is just going to, um, not go blow away. Over, yeah. yeah. Like p- there's always, um, you know, top professional runners, um, and top professional athletes who are getting pregnant, who are going through this. And so I think that there is going to be a big change right now. Um, and this is just sort of the forefront of it all. Definitely. One of the things you mentioned um, was being more involved in the running community. So you're a coach. You're um, you. I know you through the the Sunday run before Boulder Boulder that I've done the last two years, and it's it's cool to to see the little community you built and and um, put together through that through um, through your coaching group. So you want to talk? Do you want to talk a little bit about um, sort of what what you do with that and and what what you bring to the table in terms of um, is it just in person? Is it online? Is it nationwide? Is it just Colorado? 
Are you looking for more athletes? Yeah. So I started get running, uh, coaching in 2013. I was dealing with a little bit of an injury and at the time I just needed something else to do. Um, and so I went to college to be a coach and I actually started a youth track program, um, while I was in college and I had 60 youth like elementary awesome. school kids, um, in this track team. And so that was really fun. Um, but then I transitioned to doing online coaching. And so in 2013, I started online coaching with just like five friends and slowly built it from there. Um, it was primarily word of mouth. I don't do a ton of advertising. Um, and so over time I've grown it and I currently have about 75, um, which means we have about room for 25 more. Um, so I, um, hired my college teammate, fellow pro runner, um, as my assistant coach, uh, Katie Spratford. And so she and I work together. Um, she has some athletes that she works with. Um, I have some that I work with, and then we also work together just to provide the best experience that we can for athletes. Um, we have, anything from middle school runners to masters runners, um, running anything from the 800 to the marathon. We have a few people doing some ultras. That's not my specialty. I've been chatting with uh, <laughs> some, some friends to get some in, insight into that. Um, but they're just doing it as, uh, like some, a, a cool bucket list yeah. thing to finish. Um, so yeah, I'd say my biggest clientele is people wanting to qualify for Boston or those who have qualified and are planning to run Boston and want a good experience. So that's probably the number one, um, type of person that I work with, but it's really fun. Um, and I feel so fortunate that I get to do have running be my job in many aspects, um, in my own personal training and in my personal training to help others. So that's been really neat. Um, so yeah, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting new clients and this is a really busy time of year. Lots of people planning fall races. So people thinking ahead about, okay, I want a training plan. I want to get structured and organized. And I offer two training plans. One is a basic plan. And so that is, um, 100% uh, individualized. We, it's based off of a conversation that I would have with that client and we would talk about what's their schedule, what are their goals? Um, what's their current training like, and you know, how do we get from where you are to where you want to be? Um, and then I design the training plan, I give it to them and then their job is to execute it. The advanced training plan is the same thing, but then we have phone calls, we have texts, we have communication all throughout um, we will do things like race strategy, um, where we will talk about exactly, you know, how to set up races, um, organizational things. We, I can adjust the training. So if people are traveling or they get sick, um, you know, I can make those adjustments. And so that way they don't have to think about it. Um, and so what I do is it's not just, here's a cookie cutter training plan. If you want to run See 30 miles weeks. a week, yeah. if you want to run 40 miles a week, it's all very individualized based exactly on that person. And 
it's a lot more about the relationships for me too. Um, like getting to know my clients as humans and people and, um, learning what they need to be successful. Cool. Um, so you mentioned in there, there's some, um, coaching around how to execute on race day. Um, let's hear more about how do you, how do you approach a marathon? What are you thinking about in the first 10 K? What are you thinking about at the half? Um, things like that. Yeah. With the marathon distance, it's really important to break it down into smaller parts. If you stand on the starting line and you're like, okay, 26.2 miles, here I go. Yep. Um, it's so overwhelming. The uh, Boston Marathon Twitter handle a few years ago tweeted, uh, <laughs> uh, today's workout is 26 by one mile with no rest <laughs> yes. at marathon pace. Exactly. Um, yes, precisely. So for me, um, I usually break it down to like 5Ks because... As an as a pro, um, our bottle stations are usually about every five k. So I usually will have my athletes do something pretty similar, um, where they will break it down because either they're taking a gel or they're taking some sort of fluids in at that point. And so if they are able to have these portions of the race, then you can stay a lot more present and in the moment. And that is so essential while racing. Um, and so early on, like usually the first 10 K is more of like the warm up. And so I like to talk about the bubble, um, because especially races like Boston and New York, where they're, uh, so much more, um, variation in pace, compared to like a Chicago or a Berlin right. that would be much more flat and like you can run relatively the same pace. Um, so with the effort based races, it's really important to have this bubble, but I think with all races it's, um, essential. So that way you don't get too in your head about like having exactly one split you have to target. Um, so, you know, if your goal is seven minute pace, um, I would say anything from 6.45 to 7.15 is a good bubble. So if you're uphill or into the wind, 7.15 is fine. If you're downhill, wind at your back, 6.45 is fine. Um, and so having that uh, flexibility and pace is so important because if you are trying to run exactly 7 and you're on 7.04 and then you freak out you and then you run 6.54 and then you're like, oh my God, too and then you're just like psyching yourself out all throughout. So I really talk a lot about that. And I think that's really important. So I recommend the first 10 K be more of like the slower end. And then you, the next like 14, that middle area, um, that should be more of like a, a tempo a workout where you're focused, you're dialing in to more of like that, that goal pace. Um, and then the last 10 K is the race. And that's when you want to try and exceed it if you can. Um, and so I feel like that's probably the number one strategy that I discuss. Of course, uh, different races, um, and race profiles will play into that, but the effort should be right. that type of approach. So hopefully you've been enjoying this episode so far. We took a little bit of an intermission and added one other participant to the conversation. This is Neely's 10-month-old son, Athens. Athens, what do you think about your mom's uh, running career? 
Athens doesn't have much to say yet, but he's he's chowing down on on a cracker here, and it looks pretty good. So we're gonna we're gonna dive back into it. Um, what's it like um, now having having a son and and um, not being able to sleep through the night and and things like that? How do you how do you incorporate you know another human into into training? I don't really remember what it was like to have all of that time and energy uh, that I used to have, but it's funny that you talk about the sleeping through the night thing because he actually slept through the night for the first time in like two months wow. the other night. And I like woke up at 5am and I was like, really? Is this a new like day? I can't <laughs> even sleep in because <laughs> I'm so used to being up so many times throughout the night. Um, but yeah. It's, it's been a little bit of an adjustment. That was probably the thing I was most concerned about, um, with returning to training was the lack of sleep. And I do think it has impacted my recovery and my ability to train fully at this point. What do you do to Um, adjust? Um, I have been doing reduced smiles, um, less intensity. Um, and there's been a few times where I've had to make some adjustments, um, to training because I haven't been able to, um, you know, get in the rest that I wanted to recover the way I felt like I needed. But for the most part, um, a lot of my difficulties with getting back, um, to training has, been more, I think, from taking six months off than anything. Um, so it's just a long road, um, as it would be if I was coming back from an injury or coming back from surgery or something that, um, you know, or an illness of some kind where I just wasn't able to run. So it's just been a challenge. Um, but the, the part that's not um, like an injury is that I have this awesome, cute, fun little guy to hang out with. Um, and so that I think has been so exciting and so much better than I could have imagined. Um, and just getting to know him and getting to spend time with him, I feel so lucky that I can have a full-time job, um, but I get to spend most of my day <laughs> with my kid. Nice. And so that's been really special. Cool. What do you, do you do any sort of, um, any sort of mental training besides smiling all the time, looking at the, at his cute face? I do a lot of my visualization while running. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm a very social runner on easy days. I really enjoy meeting up with mm-hmm. friends. Um, this morning I ran with Lindsay Flanagan who lives, uh, just a few miles oh, cool. away. And so she just ran, um, two twenty nine at Boston and she and her sister are both really fun. We meet up, uh, pretty frequently to, to get in some training together. Um, but for my workouts, I'm often solo, uh, for my harder sessions. Intentionally or just, um, not necessarily intentionally. I wouldn't mind having yeah. someone to run with, but you know, we all have different coaches. And right. so everyone in this area, um, you know, usually the hard days are you're doing your own thing. Right. And sometimes we'll meet and warm up together and then we go our separate ways. Um, and so <laughs> there, now you're talking, huh? You're just saying more food, please. 
That's relatable. (laughs) (laughs) He's a marathon runner in training. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, uh, I just find myself running so low, um, most of the time, um, when it comes to the harder days. And so there's been a few times where I've had people, uh, who we've been able to meet up, um, and get in some hard workouts together. And I really appreciate it. And I really value those days. And I do feel like I can probably get more out of myself on the hard days. Um, when I have someone right there with me, um, you know, as anyone does, we get a little bit more extra little, competitive or extra whatever. Gas, yeah. Um, but I, uh, I tend to use that time to really stay focused and work on that mental game. And I think that's been one of the most challenging parts because not only am I rebuilding fitness, but I'm rebuilding that mental approach also. Um, so I've had a few workouts where, um, you know, you feel the weight of something that's going on in your life. Um, when we were, uh, in transition of babysitters, that was a really hard time for me because I was really stressed out about it and was sort of like all consuming because, you know, I, had to be, yeah. I, I, I'm very concerned and, um, you know, I'm very particular about who's going to be taking care of my kid while I'm out training. And, um, I just, I was very stressed about that. And so I remember a specific workout where, um, you know, I was not interested in getting out the door, but I did. I laced up my shoes. I felt terrible on the warm up. I was like, God, this is going to be awful. You know, I'm, I'm not mentally in the game at all. And I had this like long workout. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to give myself a little bit of grace today. I'm going to give myself an opportunity to get into it. We're going to give it a try. We're going to see how it goes. And, you know, I'm not going to stress about hitting a exact paces. I'm going to just listen to my body. And so that's what I did. Ended up like surpassing every time goal. And I had a great workout. Um, but it was just important for me to give myself that, um, like opportunity to recognize that, okay, I have a lot of stress on my shoulders right now. And it was really hard mentally to like stay focused Mm -hmm. on this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to do today. Um, and so there's definitely been, been days like that. And then there's also been, um, days where, I start to have those glimmers of like, this is what it used to be like. And that's been really encouraging and motivating and exciting. I remember a long run that I did probably six weeks ago. Um, and my last like half of my run was like sub seven minute pace. And it actually felt like relaxed and comfortable. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is like what it used to be like. Um, smooth. Yeah. And controlled. And I finished and I didn't feel destroyed and everything. Um, where, you know, a few months ago I was doing long runs and, anything under eight minute pace felt hard. Um, and so it's nice to see that progress and that can be really like exciting and encouraging. Um, one little trick I did is I reset my Garmin. Um, (laughs) so every run has been a new PR (laughs) and the longest run ever and fastest mile and you know, new VO two max. And so I'm getting these little like feedback of you did it. Yeah. yeah, Boosting up my confidence. Um, so yeah, so that that was that was a little trick that helped me out. Cool. Um, what gets you really excited? 
this is always such an interesting question for me because I think it changes. Um, right now what gets me excited is literally I couldn't run this time last year. And so it's so nice to run. And so, yeah, yeah, I have so much more gratitude for it. Um, I miss it so much when it's a nice day out. It's like, I'm just itching to get out the door. Um, and you know, for me personally, um, while running is my job and it is my career, it's also something that I just really like to do. And while I, you know, have to do it. Um, I get to do it. And so I choose to look at it so much more as like, um, you know, I want to be running every day for the rest of my life. If I can, um, this is something that I want it to be a lifelong passion. Um, and so if I'm not enjoying it, then I'm not going to do it. Um, and I don't want to ever get to that point. And so, um, you know, yes, I'm competitive. Yes. I, I enjoy, um, you know, seeing what's possible when it comes to my performances. Um, but I ultimately just really enjoy the sport and it's created the life I have. Um, it's the reason we came to Colorado. It's, you know, the reason we have the house that we do because I ran by on this trail um, behind our house. And I saw that they were building and I was like, Oh my gosh, I want this trail to be my backyard. And so now it is. Um, so I think there's just so many things that running has brought me in life. Um, most of my friends are runners. Um, you know, the reason I get to travel all over the U S all over the world has you primarily been because of running. So all of those reasons are, I think what gets me excited about it. Cool. Where can we find you on social media? I am at Neely S Gracie on Instagram, Twitter, um, and Facebook. Awesome. Um, I believe. And then I also have a website and it's Neely. Yes. Are you going to tell them my website? It's NeelyRuns.com. Remember that one. <laughs> Neely, thanks so much for joining today. Yeah, thank you so much. Time to feed this dude. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.